Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. So if you have a, a Bible, then open it up to Luke chapter 12. And if you don't have a Bible, we're going to bring some around and you can uh, use it or take it and steal it, whatever you want to do. Um, but it's not really stealing if we give it to you because we want everyone to be able to have one. So if you need a Bible, Luke chapter 12. Um, got a couple things to tell you before we get started, but probably there's no way to get started without recognizing that um, Richard Lanningham got hit by a car last week and he's standing in here right now. <laughs> which is kind of freaking me out a little bit. Um, so stoked to have you here so quick. And you don't even, I mean, your scar's gnarly and all, but I was expecting a little bit more. It's, it's still pretty hot, but yeah, we'll have to make that a little more obvious. A little more attention. So if you're visiting or if you've been around for a while, there's a connection card on your chair. But we warn you, if you say, hey, contact me, we'll actually will. So if you're like, I don't really want you to contact me, but I want you to pray for me, or this is what's going on, that's what that's for. So if you could fill that out, um, and then when the offering basket comes around, just drop that in. Uh, so after the message, the offering basket comes around. When I was a kid, and I, I got uh, tricked into going to church with one of my friends, because my church did, I mean, my family didn't go to church, I always thought, oh, I'm supposed to put something in there. You're not. The offering basket is for the people from branches that have said, hey, we want you to pass it around because we don't do online, we don't do that, and that we're old school, and that's what we do. So it's, it's for that. Don't ever feel obligated to do anything. However, with the connection card, it's a great way for us to know you were here if you want to be connected. Um, it's a great way for you to know when we're not here in this building, and it's a great way for us to know how to pray for you. So that's what that's for. Um, and then we have baptisms on May 13th, Friday night. Um, I know I talked with Russ, Janet, do you, okay. Because when you talk to the guy, you don't know if it gets to the wife. So I didn't want to split up their marriage. But it's at the Landry's house. We're trying something new. We're doing it on a Friday night because we wanted to have more time to be together. Um, and baptism is a very powerful uh, expression of our um, commitment to follow the Lord. If Jesus said he had to do it, then what well, makes sense that we do it. So if you've made that decision, but you've never been baptized, this is the time. And if you're like me, and you're like, well, I've been following the Lord for a while, but I didn't get baptized, and if I get baptized, I don't want people to think, oh, what's wrong with you? Didn't you already do this? I mean, I got baptized uh, on the day of my wedding, because um, I'm like, I think I need to get around to this and stop worrying what other people think. And actually, uh, Norty was, was there. This is, well, officially, this is Dr. John Norton, um, one of my uh, best friends, and we've been meeting every week for 25 years and um, we, in October, we, we get together in different places, but um, with me being sick, uh, we thought, well, let's go to Hidden House Coffee. The coffee will heal me. So we'd meet there, and we'd meet around the corner, and this is the passage we looked at. So if you can, open up to Luke chapter 12. And back in October, um, in verse 13, this guy because it was just a, the guy, uh, was in the crowd. And in a big crowd, everybody's listening to Jesus, and he says, teacher, intervene or jump in and tell my brother to share the family inheritance with me. 
So he's basically saying, hey, Jesus, I know you're talking about something else, but hey, my brother, like, he's, he's messing us up with a family inheritance. We need the, like, it's not fair. Okay, you'd think that'd be a little embarrassing, but it wasn't for this guy. And then Jesus says, since when am, am I your judge or arbiter? And then he used that opportunity to speak to the crowd. And so Nordy and I looked at this, and, and that's what we do. We do different things. Sometimes we just talk about work and life and family, and, and then sometimes we jump in the Word of God. But in October, we jumped into this, and we had an idea of what this meant. And then we went through the crazy, the beautiful, ugly together, um, with Nordy sitting by my side at the hospital a lot of times, me not knowing he was actually there. Um, a couple times I remember looking over, and he was doing work, and he'd just give me the thumbs up and go back to work, and then I'd pass out. Um, but what we wanted to do this morning was kind of, um, we're going to actually turn our chairs and actually talk to each other, and you guys can listen in. But this is, this is what we do uh, on a weekly basis, and it looks different. But we want to go through this word together and kind of go through it in the way that we see it now. And we want to invite you guys into that. But I'll tell you this before we get started to kind of tell you where we're headed. We thought it was emphasizing one thing. And as we wrestled with it longer, even after that time at Hidden House, we feel that this passage is telling all of us to wake up, to be aware. Because we, as our human nature, is to get distracted. And this guy that interrupts Jesus gets distracted. And Jesus uses a story to kind of bring him back and say, look, you need to pay attention here. Like, you have a purpose, and it ain't that. And something we kind of came to is like, you're being selfish. It's what we think he's telling this guy. But you're not being selfish enough. You're choosing the wrong thing. And I want what's best for you, so pay attention. Wake up. So, um... And, and Nordy, when we were at uh, Hidden House, had this really cool experience in Africa that kind of applies to this. Yeah. Um, so we, it's a little bit embarrassing. We had to go all the way to Africa to, to learn this, but I'll take it any way I can get it, right? I mean, you learn a lesson that's going to stick with you. You want that lesson. So we traveled in Africa a little bit and saw just obviously some, the places we were at were some places of real need. And... Um, those needs, as, as we came face-to-face with those, woke us up in some ways, uh, to the point where both Erica and I, my wife Erica and I, you know, looked at each other and we, we said, well, we got to think about how we're living our lives a little differently in light of this. Now that we know this is here, and at the same time, God's saying, well, the, the same pain is back at home. We need to live our lives a little differently. We need to wake up to what's, what's real, what's true. And the problem with this guy in this passage is, He's not being selfish enough. He's not seeing the reality around him. He's not seeing what's real and true. He's living in some kind of fantasy world. And to live in a fantasy world is to live in a way that's not true or good or real or substantial or, or life-giving. And if you're selfish, you want to suck as much out of life as you can. And this guy thought he was doing that, and he was actually not. He was screwing it up. So that was what Africa was for us. It was a wake-up call. Wake up. See what's, what's actually happening in the world around you and know that by stepping into that, you step into some real life. You step into what's really good and what's really true. So this is, he stopped. Usually when we're together, he doesn't stop. I just cut him off. Because you know when someone else is talking, you're actually thinking about what you're going to share next. Come on, man. It's too much honesty. 
Um, but look, if you guys could, with us at um, uh, verse 15. So then Jesus uses that opportunity to speak to the crowd. I also want to stop. We, we usually put the slides up there, but we didn't want to put them up today, which is fortunate because the computer's gone crazy and shrunk it, and that's why it looks so dumb up there. But we wanted you to have your Bible so that you could kind of go through it like we do with each other. Because um, when, when we meet, we don't like cut out pieces of the Bible or, and say, hey, look at this slide I made for you and hold it cool, up in our hands. Actually. I like um, that. So verse 15, Jesus starts talking to the crowd. And he says, you'd better be on your guard or be aware against any type of greed for a person's life is not about having a lot of possessions. Then beginning another parable, he says this, a wealthy man owned some land that produced a huge harvest. And he often thought, man, I have a problem here. I don't have enough. I don't have anywhere to store all my stuff. I got all these crops. What should I do? I know. I'll tear down my small barns and I'll build even bigger ones. He's going to invest. Um, and then I'll have plenty of storage space for my grain and all my other goods. And then I'll be able to say to myself, I made it. I can relax and take it easy for years. So I'll just sit back, eat, drink, and I'll have a good time. And then God interrupted the man's conversation with himself. And I think that's really important for you to notice that, that, that you showed me this morning, actually. We've been talking about this for a while now because, you know, we talked about it in October, then we talked about it again this week. And then this morning, he said, you know what? This guy's alone the whole time. Like, there's no one else there. So the man is by himself talking to himself. And then God says, well, actually, why don't you read yours because mine says it in a weird way. He says, fool. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what we want to hear. Fool. Fool to what? We were talking about that, right? Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one. I, I assume Jesus turns to the audience, right? So is the one. So are you when you lay up treasure for yourself, and you're not rich toward God. He's a fool, right? He's a fool because his whole life is self-referential, self-centered. He's missing out on what God says throughout the Scriptures, what Jesus has taught so many times before. That's not where life is found. Life's not found as we turn inward to ourselves, but rather as we open ourselves up. And like we were talking about this morning, this guy, it's like God's not saying, because at other places in the Bible, it's very clear that Jesus has no problem with eating Drinking and being merry. Right. I mean, his first miracle was to make sure that everyone could drink and be merry. Yep. So it's not like he's against that. And, communion, and, communion. Yeah. Wine, bread. He could have picked, we talked about this morning. He could have picked, when, you're, when you gather, say these phrases. Throw this projector on the wall and say these phrases together. That's not what he said. He said, break open some wine, break open some bread, and remember me in this, this rich fellowship time. But this guy's doing, he's missing it. No, exactly. he, he's off somewhere he's getting distracted yeah. and this is what we think we think if god were to say it another way he'd say look you're not being selfish enough right you chose the wrong thing like that's not going to give you what you really want i've created you and put these desires in you and if you build your life around that and you're just thinking well i just want to be able to save up so i can do just this mm. you're going to miss out because that's a piece of life but that's not the purpose in life yeah. And it's like he's saying, oh, you're a fool. Like you're going to have regrets because you chose the wrong thing. I mean, Jesus said, I, I came so that you could have life and have it to the full. And it's like another way to say, but that's not it. Yeah. You're not loving yourself well enough. 
I don't think I used that phrase earlier, but I, I like that one. That's good. Like my own phrase. Um, <laughs> you're not loving yourself. If you want to learn to love yourself, this is a better way to love yourself. This is a better way to take care of yourself, right? I, even, I'm thinking of the, the passage where Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? So loving yourself is, is not all bad. It's just loving only yourself. And this is what this guy does. He loves only self. He's separated himself intentionally for protection, for greed, because he, he thinks this is the way to real life. He thinks this is how he can love himself best. And God is saying, you're missing it, buddy. You, you missed it. It's not, that's not the best way to love yourself. That verse that, that we just finished with, he says, this is how it will be for people who will accumulate huge assets for themselves but have no assets in relations to God. Or saying they're trying to be rich to themselves but not rich towards God. Yeah. And so, like, I would always hear that before thinking, oh, God's telling me I'm doing it wrong. This is my job. This is what I need to do. But then he makes it clear, like, he's doing this because he cares for them. Yeah. Like, I want what's best for you. You're choosing the wrong thing. You're going to have regrets. So in verse 22, he says, this is why I keep telling you not to worry about anything. Yeah. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, this is why I keep telling you, don't worry. Why does he tell them not to keep worrying? Because they're worrying all the time. Yeah. Don't worry about what you'll eat, about how you'll get dressed. Um, and, and, and then he, he says, I mean, look at the birds. Like, I take care of them. You're more precious to God than birds. Like, that's pretty hardcore. He's, if you really think about it, he's saying, look, I take care of them. And he's being very specific. You're more important to me than birds. So if you guys didn't already know that, you're more important than birds. Verse 25, which one of you can add a single hour to your life? So he's talking about being worried again, like worrying about, ah, I want to, if I eat this antioxidant food, or if I do that, if I, then I can get this much more. Which one of you can add a single hour to your life or 18 inches to your height by worrying really hard? If worry can't change anything, why do it? And then he starts talking about birds. He's just talking about all these things like birds and, and lilies and grass that's being taken care of, and they don't have to do anything. And it's that idea that, like, look, I'm, I'll take care of you, yeah. which we have to be reminded of because we're, we're so afraid we want to take it in our own hands like this guy. This guy obsesses, verse 23 here, what you're just reading, life is more than. So we know we need food, we need clothes, <clears throat> we need nice clothes. I know I do. Um, I want nice clothes, I should say. But it's more than that, right? It's, it, I think that's a key phrase. Life is more than, and the fool in Luke 12 didn't realize that. He thought that that was it. Hey, I had a great harvest. And the other thing, too, this guy's a successful businessman. Jesus is not saying success in business is a bad thing. This is, this is something to be shared. This is something to be celebrated. So he's not wrong there. His wrong turn comes when he says, soul awkward. If you're speaking in third person a lot, you know that's awkward too. So he speaks to his soul. Soul, eat, drink, and be merry. You're, you made it. You, you arrived. And God says, that's your foolish perspective, right? You haven't arrived. Life is more than food. The body more than clothing, right? And what is that more? Is the part the guy missed. And I believe that more, as we've been talking about, is the extension of self to other, right? That's what we picked up in Africa, right, as we saw real deep suffering and pain and realized 
boy, there's a lot more to life than this. And by entering into it, Eric and I felt this great, amazing joy, right? It was difficult uh, being in slums in, in, in Africa, for instance. There's a difficulty, there's a struggle, there's discomfort. But I'll tell you what, we both felt so alive. I remember that, those conversations we had. We felt so alive as we worked with these children and worked with these young men in this, in this slum called Kawangwari in Kenya. Um, we felt alive. Felt, we felt um, that we were loving ourselves better than ever. How does that even happen? In a slum in Africa, we live in Ladera stinking ranch. It's awesome over there. That's self-love, right? No, man. It was a whole new picture of, of loving self involves something much richer and more counterintuitive that takes a wisdom from God to come in and say, hey, wake up, man. Wake up. I love you, and I want to teach you how to love yourself better. And in so doing, you'll love others, and this whole thing starts working, right? My whole kingdom starts working well with you. Verse, um, I know it looks really smooth, like we planned all these things. Like, have you noticed how smooth this is? And I expected it to be like this. I'm trying not to think about it. I plan on you cutting me off. <laughs> I plan on me cutting you off. It looks like we scripted this whole thing out. We're not that good. So verse, um, verse 30, people of the world who don't know God pursue these things, which is another way to say they pursue them first. But you have a father caring for you. A father who knows all your needs. So verse 31, if that's the case, since you don't need to worry about security and safety, about food and clothing, then pursue God's kingdom. Or some of your Bibles will say, then seek first his kingdom. And all these other things will be given to you. And these other things are the things that we really want. Yeah. Like what we really want. That's, and that's the purpose. Like when they were in Africa, obviously um, they didn't stay there. Because, but they wrestled with that, like, okay, God, do you want me to stay here? Because we'll stay here. Yeah. But that wasn't what God had for them. It doesn't mean that you have to do these things that other people tell you to do. We have to just come to the Lord and say, okay, let me seek you and what matters most to you. You have a purpose for me. What does that look like? And it's very simple. Seek first his kingdom means to love him and love others. And in his heart, like, there was that, that yeah. rising. Um, during that time, we, uh, Nordy coached... Um, uh, men's tennis at Concordia University as well as teaching literature there. Yeah. And while he was there, he was wrestling with what should I do because should I keep coaching tennis? And it was great and the kids loved it, but he fe- yeah. we both felt, and, and as a friend, you know, I, I said, man, I don't, I said it in a different way, but basically I was saying, I don't think you're being selfish enough. Like you're coaching tennis, but you're most alive when you're just with your students. Yeah. And they get to come over to your house and, you get to, and you're with them. And this tennis thing you're doing so much student stuff, you're not able to really be with them. Yeah. And you get caught up in, oh, do I have enough scholarship money? And are we winning? And you got all that other stuff. Yeah. If you were just doing tennis, you could do it with them. But like purpose-wise, like the best way he could have loved others in the, in the, with the gifts he had and everything was just to focus with the academic side, which is very funny because like I said, I've known him for over 25 years. And in the beginning, I never thought that you'd be an academic. I mean, he was walking around with these (laughs) athletic shorts 24-7. Tennis was his life. You didn't do that well in school. No. No. You were the the smart one. And now you're Dr. Norton. (laughs) But you were making those decisions purpose-wise, like, I belong to God. This is what he's called me to do, and this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. 
And I, I love that, what you said, in terms of the relationship. That's a big deal. That, that's what I feel like when, when you, you spoke that to me years ago, I started looking at relationship differently, right? This is where God wants us to invest ourselves. It's not out of guilt. It's not out of shame. It's not out of what's the most impressive, hardcore thing we can do, but what is the relational, where's the richness in the relationship and following that? To me, is what, what leads us to the, the fruit that God has prepared for us or the, the harvest that he's prepared for us, right? The good works that he's prepared for us. You know, there's that, that, that really unhealthy kind of vision of, of an ideal Christian that's a missionary in some crazy, dangerous place, you know. Afghanistan would be really impressive. Um, still struggling with that one a little bit. But Afghanistan, between missionary and Afghanistan, right? That's where you're hard. No, man, that's a, that's a deception. And that was, in, in part, not what we were wrestling with in Africa necessarily, but that definitely creeps in, right? It would be impressive to be an, a missionary in Africa. Then you know you're really sold out because you know as long as you are in a pretty place, you can't be really suffering for the gospel, right? <laughs> um, no, that's false. That's false. God calls us into relationship. And in that relationship, right, in the working out of that relationship, he he weaves us into this kingdom work, which is so awesome. And so, yes, I step out of tennis and more into an opportunity where I can be more relational. And all of a sudden, I felt like, oh, my goodness, this is really what you've called me to. The Lord has called me to. And there's this beautiful way of loving others and loving self that happens through that, which, I, which is incredible. And, it, again, it's relational. And we're all so different in that, relationally. We're all so different, and that's the beauty of it, I think, too. We, um, we both noticed in this passage that when, when the man is confronted with tonight, you're going to die. It wasn't like a punishment. It was just like, oh, man, you missed it. Like you make, you're making these plans, but actually yeah. tonight's the night. <laughs> like it's your night. Yeah. And it's not like you're going to hell or you're going to, but it's not you're going to hell because of what you did. Yeah, it's just, it's, he's probably telling him you're coming home. Yeah. And you're a fool. Well, he gets to go to paradise, probably. Yeah. But he's still calling him a fool, which gives you that impression he's going to have regrets. Like, oh, what was I thinking? Like, I missed it. And, you know, for us, that's very real. Um, because on December 31st, Nordy was there the night. Because Stephanie... Um, you know, they basically kicked Stephanie out, said, you haven't left his bedside. It's New Year's Eve. You guys always go with your life group to this, you know, New Year's Eve party together and your kids celebrate. Go. So Steph left, drove there, and, and, and you stayed. Yeah. And I said, I got the fort for you. And then so she let, that's what happened, right? I think so. It's fuzzy to me too. It's it was very fuzzy to me. What? The next day? Okay, so, so, um, so <laughs> So anyways, during this time of, of it being my time, yeah. and, or at least we thought it was my time. The doctors thought it was my time. They told Steph it was my time. And so during that period of time, uh, we're just kind of waiting. Like, okay, when's it going to happen? And I, I, I've shared it with you, so I don't want to go into the depths again because I don't want to keep being that guy that keeps sharing the same story over and over again. But as I was praying... And my eyes closed, and I mean, you're just praying all the time. It's just you and the Lord. And as I was sitting there, the Lord kind of asked me, what's the desire of your heart? And to live as Christ, to die as gain was the verse that came to my mind. 
Couldn't remember where it was in the Bible. It wasn't like a life verse or anything. And I thought, I really want to come back because I feel like I'm not done. Like my purpose isn't done. Like I really want to keep giving more away because during the time I was in the hospital, I'd get, Steph would read me texts or emails of, hey, thank you for this. And this is, you don't know it, but when you did this or said this, this happened. And I was like, wow, like there was this like selfishness of joy that's the best way I can describe it. Like, yeah. dude, that was good. I know I'm going to be in heaven eventually, and I get to do this forever, but I'm kind of selfish. I want to be able to do more of this. I wasn't like, oh, I got to get back there so I can eat, drink, and be merry. I mean, that's all cool and all, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not nearly as joyful as giving yourself away. And so in one of those prayer times, um, he was there, and I was like, you're going to have to describe it because I, I don't remember how it went, but me— okay. Yeah, so asking we, for the pen or whatever. We showed up and it's not looking, it's not looking good. And uh, I had a clipboard there and his hand was going kind of nuts like this under the, under the blanket. He, like, he wanted to say something. Erica was sitting right center there. She's like, I, I, I couldn't he, say anything because I had something shoved down my throat, yeah. ventilator. Yeah. So I couldn't, I had to only write. So Erica says, I, I, look at his hand. <laughs> What's his hand doing? He's looking at me and, and, and the nurse is like, oh, maybe he wants to write something. And so she brought over the clipboard that we had there and he scribbled something, it is not, and then there was just chicken scratch at that, and, and your heart rate, dude, was like 152, or it was like ridiculous. The nurse was already mad at me, and then she was like really mad, and so we had to leave out to the hallway with Steph. She even kicked Steph out. I don't know. You came out with us, too. I mean, it was like not looking. It was bad. 152, um, or higher. It was something crazy. So we go out in the hallway, and we're looking at this thing, and finally Steph is like, over. It is not over. And so she came running back in to confirm it with you, and you said yes. Yeah, because Steph and I had, she would all, she's not very good at the reading or the hand motions, because I do these hand motions, and <laughs> it, we just realized that she can never lose her hearing, and I can never lose my speech, because, <laughs> so I'd always have to go, yes, that's it, or no. And so she came back in and says, it's not over, and I was like, yes, that's what I'm trying to say. And so that story gets spread around, and as it typically does, it gets spread around like, whoa, that guy's amazing. He just pulled his fist and punched out of the grave. It's not over. Revenant, baby. Yeah, revenant. But that's not what it was. That's not, it, 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 it was, it's coming back to purpose. And it was this clear understanding that, it, that my job's not over. It wasn't like, no, I'm not dead. I'm going to keep fighting. It wasn't that. Because I didn't do anything. That has to be very clear. Yeah. I didn't do anything to come back uh, <laughs> that I know of other than like when the doctor said you should, pro in fact, a lot of times the doctors say, you need to stand up or we're not going to do this heart transplant. And I'm like, N heart? Oh, you didn't know about that? <laughs> said, Those are easy. Those they, are easy. They slipped that in. They slipped in the heart transplant before the lung transplant. <laughs> but it was, they, they'd asked me to do certain things, and I re, it really just wasn't in my body. I was like, I want to stand up. I can't move. But it was the, it's not over. And, and they actually, he, uh, my, my point of view, you had nothing to do with it. Erica, his wife, had it framed and made all nice, and it's on our mantle at our house. And I have to have it there to remind myself, like, this is my purpose. This is why I'm here. I've got to be reminded because I'll get distracted just like that guy yeah. into other stuff. I'll get distracted in, 
in my marriage. I'll get distracted like, oh, we got our kids stuff going on or, oh, what about these bills? And all of those are necessary and important, but I've got to always seek first his kingdom. And that phrase is not me punching, coming back to life because I don't have the ability to do that, but it's, it's the Lord granting me permission to be selfish and to come back and to give my life away because it, as we talk about it, it really is the best way to have a yes. full life. Yeah. To love him and love others is, is the best. It, it feels the most full. Well, we talked about this. So in some ways, unlike the guy in Acts 12, coming back to this, or sorry, Luke 12. Coming back to Luke 12, the guy with the barns, he's a fool because he missed out on what was really true and real about life, right? He, he lived his life a whole different way that was just wrong and, and the opposite of what, what he's made to do. My thought with this with you was, or as Christians, our whole lives are preparations for this step into eternity. Uh, I love uh, in Acts 17, Paul says that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him, yet He is actually not far from each one of us, for in Him we live and move and have our being. There's this closeness of God. As Christians, we, we're living our lives in a way that is eternal already. And so to step in to the other side of the veil is something you've been preparing for your whole life, as, as all Christians do. The guy in, in Luke 12 is a surprise for because he hasn't been. You've been living your life in an eternal way, right, with an eternal perspective to come back to say there's more work, there's more, there's more to do, it's not over yet, is to say, why would I leave, why would I want to leave the joy you've placed before me in this life? Not a self-centered joy, but a joy that is true and deep and eternal, and, and that's a gift. There's a gift on the other side of it as well, and we don't know what that looks way like. Way better than this side. But. Way better, but, but there's something really deep and true and eternal about what we're doing here as friends, what we're doing here as community, what we're doing here giving our lives away to those who are, are sick and suffering. There is deep joy, eternal joy in that. You came back for a little more of that. <laughs> I like that. I'm glad you did. On, on December 31st, I was sitting at Lake Arrowhead, and I wrote in my journal, uh, I, I don't like the idea of going into a, oh, shoot, into another year without my friend Boogie. I don't, I don't want to go in, into a new year. You know, 2016, I didn't think I would have Boogie, you know, walking with me, and, 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 that, and that hurt. Okay, your turn. <laughs> I better finish the That hurt on a lot of levels, and yet at the same time, in that moment, on the lake, I'll never forget, uh, thinking about Steph and the kids, uh, and I really felt that he said, I'm in this. I'm in this. I've never been anywhere distant from this. I'm in this. And, um, and I believe he is. He is in it, and he's making all things new and beautiful, and he's leading us into a place we never could get on our own, and that's part of the joy in this. It's part of the reality in this, and then through this I'm thankful, as I know you are, through all the difficulty that this has been for you, I know you're thankful for it because it's, it's allowed us to see more deeply the glory and love and the tenderness of who God is. Oh, tough to say. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to be quiet because I want everyone to see you cry. <laughs> so we wanted to make sure that we... Um, that we uh, gave time for you to, to really think through your purpose and why you're here. Um, because 
this has all been worth it. And if there's someone here or on the podcast or if one of you shares with someone else and they, like this man with the barns, goes, oh, whoa, thanks, man. Thanks for telling me because I almost got distracted in this other stuff. I got distracted by what I look like or I, got, I, I started focusing my life on my fitness or my education or my finances or even good things. I got so wrapped up in my family that I couldn't see anything else. If any of this freed you up to seek first and say, God, you know what, open my eyes. Put people in my life because I want to see things the way they really are. Yeah. Because I know I, could get, I, could, I need to be woken up sometimes because I fall asleep. Yeah. And to know, if you know that God, like all through this chapter, all through the word of God, I mean the whole word of God is just a love letter to us to say, look, I love you. I'm telling you all this stuff because I love you and I want what's best for you. And if that's what you hear, it's all worth it. Yeah. Um, he and came it, to give us life and life more abundant. Yeah. I never understood that. As a teenager, I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and the Bible seemed to be saying the opposite. Don't do the things you want to do. It, it took me a while to realize it's just the opposite. All that stuff leads to bondage, man. All that stuff leads to hell. All that stuff leads to suffering and the opposite of self-love. True self-love. I'll show you how to love yourself. Right. Just follow this. Avoid some of that junk. It's going to drag you down. And so we wanted to close. We were trying to figure out how to make this connection because uh, Nordy said, you know what? It's, it's clear that this, this purpose is all wrapped up in our relationship with him because we love him. Yeah. And so we made this connection because he talks about weddings in this chapter and he talks about the commitment to the, to the groom. Um, and so we, we actually stood in each other's wedding. He was best man at my wedding. I was his. And we have this crew of guys, and we've walked through their weddings. Um, and I think we should probably focus on, on Buck's wedding. Yeah, that's a good one. Cause, cause, I, I like your example. Because my wedding started first, and the guys Yours came. Was sweet too. And the groomsmen, they were pretty wrapped up in themselves. Like, okay, which girls are which? Da, da, da. I mean, they, you know. Some pretty cute girls that's there. That's how it was. So we were joking, Some going, I should have waited and had someone else take that hit for me, but I went first, but then one of the other guys got married later, yeah. and, and so, yeah, we, we, <laughs> we get to this wedding, and uh, oh, man, it was, it, was a, it was good, but at that point, we'd been through five, five weddings already, yeah, and we were older. We were older. Older compared to the bridesmaids, who were like 19. Yes. We were like 20, we were like 20, 20 th- late 20s, 30s. Yeah, tw- yeah. 30. 30, probably. Yeah, and they were 19. So we get there, and these bridesmaids, they were sweet. They were young. But they were definitely there to either party or to, to focus on the fun and so forth. And, and for us, you know, we were just, where's the chairs? Where are we setting things up? Uh, what do you need me to do, Buck? Not that we were like super uber groomsmen or anything. I don't want to pat myself on the back. <laughs> but the truth be told, we knew where the fun was, man, right? We knew where the fun was. And the fun was like in the house, in all the details. The fun was in helping Buck have a good time. The fun was there. And these girls, sadly, and I remember at the time, we were, I don't know how mature we were about this, but it was like, oh, they're, they're going to miss out because they left at one point to go, like, party down the street at some bar. <laughs> Not good. During, during the reception, th- there was this van because they were all from out of town and they flew in. And during the reception, as we're, you know, da- things are going on, we can hear the van backing up. Beep, beep, beep. With the bridesmaids in it because they had falms. Like, they were afraid of missing something. Like, well, this is fun, but maybe there's something else. And so they were going, they were leaving the bride yeah. to go party somewhere, 
They weren't even of age, but they had fake IDs or something. Sure. But yeah. I wish we were mature enough. I don't think we were. We were probably going, they're lame. But the reality is now, like, they missed out. Totally. Because, like, we, we, we were the same way when I got married. Um, I'm like, well, no one's doing stuff for me on my wedding. And all the guys are like, yay. They were probably, I mean, if they had a van, beep, beep. Uh, no, man, I would not have let that happen. But as you mature, you're like, you know what? <laughs> I really care for this guy. I care for this bride. Yeah. I want to be there for them. And it's just better that way. It's better. And we're looking out for it. But it's, it's that maturity. And it's, in this story, I, I don't know if he's kicking the guy's butt as much, as much as as God is just trying to say, I don't want you to miss out. Yeah. And if I could go back to myself as a groomsman in the beginning, and even to those girls, I'd be like, you know what? You're going to miss out because there's more joy in living life this way mm. for others than trying to get more for yourself because it doesn't work that way. It just like, it empties right back out. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that. that was the contrast, right? We just knew where the fun was. And the fun was in being together. The fun was in giving one to another. The fun was in serving. The fun was in pouring our lives out Crying. there. Crying. I'm sure you cried. I'm sure I did. <laughs> That's fine. Um, but we knew that was where the fun was. We knew that that was where the joy was. And it was. It was that was fun. We had a great time. And I don't remember begrudging the girls. I just remember I remember thinking, wow, that's weird. They're doing that. They don't get it. I did. <laughs> they don't get it. They don't get it. The love, the joy, the life is here. Yeah. In service, in this relationship. And Jesus, we talked about this, Jesus uses that illustration of being a groomsman. He is the groom. Be ready. Let your life circle around me, the groom, right? That's what we talked about. I'm the groom. You're my groomsman, my bridesmaids. Let your life circle around me, and that's where the fun's going to be, right? The fun will be here. The joy will be here. The deep and lasting eternal life will be here. And by eternal life, I mean all of life that is lived in Christ. Yeah, as we circle the, the grooms, we circle around and we're caring for him, but then he's like, hey, don't forget about everyone else at the wedding. And so you're like, you're caring for the people yes. that's there at that wedding feast, that yes. party. I mean, if you've been to a good wedding, you know what we're talking about, where you see, I mean, I see the Landers. I've been to so many of the weddings where they pull together their friends who don't even know sometimes the people that are getting married and they're all caring for them and they're having more fun than anybody. It's this joy of giving yourself away. Yeah. That's what it means to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all this will be given to us. So what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to invite the worship team up, and they're going to lead us in prayer. If we could have a couple people that can move these chairs down, and then um, if you guys could stand with me. And then these songs are here uh, for us to pray with. So um, we start standing. If you're like, hey, I'm a sit-down person, or I don't want to stand, that's fine. But that's why we do it. Yeah, why don't you stay sitting there, broken leg guy, or near a broken leg guy. And so these songs are meant to guide you in prayer. The offering is an act of prayer. The music is an offering. Um, but use this time to imagine the Holy Spirit coming like, like Jesus shared with that man that was building those bigger barns and say, Lord, wake me up.